you went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are, clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Oh, looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average savings by new customer surveyed who saved in 2019. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Guys, welcome to our 301st episode. And thank you so much to everyone for your good wishes, your listens, your messages. And I must say, <clears throat> you know, we are thrilled to showcase the world of Formula One from our lenses and our perspective. Yeah, guys, we see it differently. We say it differently. And Kulal, I'm going to say something very cheesy here. We make Formula One, Formula Fun. (laughs) Yes, so 301st episode. We've actually got some very interesting listener questions about our show and the episodes we do, our research, the preparations and so on. But we will address them, you know, in the next few minutes. For now, I think the big question is, has Formula One jumped the gun on the F1 2021 announcements? Uh, Guys, we know that the Concord Agreement is yet to be signed by the teams. And this means that no team is committed to race after 2020. Can you believe that? Yeah, but the bigger question to me is, is it time to rename the Concord Agreement? I mean, I love the Concord. I always wanted to fly in one, if not fly one, you know. But they retired the damn aircraft and that technology before I could. (laughs) And uh, I personally think that the the word Concorde just has a lot of history, you know, maybe a lot of negative history in the world of aviation. And not to mention the world of Formula One as well, because it's always seen as like, oh, the Concorde agreement is the unfair one. At this moment, I think I'm almost going to bet that Liberty Media will probably call it something else in the time to come. Yeah, you know, Kunal, you have a knack of placing these bets on the podcast. And somehow you just land up winning all these very strange bets. So no, I'm not going to put my money there. <laughs> like Max Verstappen winning on debut. I remember yeah, that. That was insane. Anyway, uh, Formula One loves all these cool acronym names. I remember when we had the overtaking working group and now we use DRS like an everyday term. Uh, but even if there's a new name, you know what, Kunal, people are still going to call it the Concord Agreement. Just like people call Force India Racing Point or Racing Point Force India, Oops, whichever. did it again. <laughs> <laughs> that was not on purpose. But the other questions are regarding the announcement of the Net Zero Carbon Initiative. You know what, this could very well be an acronym, NZC. You know, they're just <laughs> going to call it that. And I really wonder, is Formula One doing enough? Is 2030 a bit too distant in the future? And you know what? All along, I thought that Formula One's carbon initiative was to just go out and buy Formula E. Oh, well, well. Kunal, I think you're giving Chase Carey a lot of good ideas for free. Like I always end up doing. But (laughs) you know what? Doesn't matter. Let let the world be a better place, as I'd call it. Oh, how nice of you. Anyway, guys, in this week's episode, we're going to discuss the missing Concord Agreement. And we could also actually see a lot of drivers changing teams come Formula One 2021. Like the big question is, 
Could Lewis Hamilton do a one manual funjo? How and why a top team could still spend in the region of wait for it 300 million dollars every year even from 2021. And finally, thanks a million to everyone for their kind words. Declan, we appreciate your interest in our numbers. Rajesh, we spent days doing our research. We've got a lot of sources. and then we of course spent 20 30 minutes before each episode to compare our notes and you know put a basic flow to the podcast so it doesn't sound all haywire and around the place yeah and i really like this question from brian uh, he asked how and why is each episode exactly 20 25 minutes long and uh, brian we're a formula 1 podcast and yes we live by the clock as well Ding. we're <laughs> We're always tracking our episode length, so yes, that is on purpose. And we work with our partners to identify ideal episode length times. And thankfully, we know that a load of our listeners remain tuned in till the very last minute. And guys, I must tell you, it's extremely difficult to pick, choose, and even more difficult to drop topics that we wouldn't speak in every episode. And trust me, it's a long list of just. topics we've rejected you know yeah and that's also why we leave the best topics for the end <laughs> okay so time to get this episode started but before that guys remember to subscribe to us for your weekly dose of formula 1 humor on iTunes on audio boom spotify google podcast and every other audio streaming We're platform everywhere <laughs> yes you can find on the internet So Kunal back to the Concord agreement. Uh, we know that Renault is unsure and Toro Wolff said that it isn't a given that Mercedes will be around after 2020. Honda has yet to announce their commitment to and Ferrari's threats will come once they realize that their veto isn't as powerful or if they're owning less from Formula 1 than they expect or I don't know it's Ferrari. Yeah, I mean honestly, uh, you know, just to quote Toro Wolff and what you just said about him. I believe he's right. Nothing's a given at the moment because I don't think that at this stage, you know, any team is pulling out though, you know, because the teams have been involved in the 2021 regulations and you know, they've made it seem like it's a very cohesive agreement all around. And I believe Liberty Media would have definitely ensured with the boards of each of these car manufacturers that they are going to be around because Formula 1 needs them around and no one new is joining. And of course, The only team I don't even think too much about is Renault because I don't think even Renault can sort of guarantee Renault's future participation <laughs> because they're always so happy to be in and out and then back in again and you know on the on the fence and hence you know all over the place. And uh, Honda CEO said that they want to win the world championship with Red Bull Racing in 2020. Uh, Kunal, I doubt they'd quit the sport in the next year after they win their dream title, you know. Especially after all the struggles they've faced to get to this point. Oh yeah. And uh Cyril said the teams were told that they were free to not sign the Concord agreement if they didn't want to. Yeah, I mean, you know, the strange part to me is that Formula 1 hasn't managed the PR around this whole non-signing of a Co- Concord agreement. There's no official word so to say from Chase Carey. Maybe that's the strategy, who knows. Yeah, and you know to me it just seems that the 2021 uh, announcements were really hurried. Uh because I guess USA was their uh, home race and they just wanted to put it out there at their home venue. And you know, I wonder how the lack of an announcement around the Concord agreement is actually impacting the share price of Formula 1 because let's remember guys, Formula 1 is a publicly traded stock. And in in all of this uncertainty, the only word that's come out is that is of Ross Brown and he said that drivers could look to switch teams for 2021. 
Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun rather than us just hoping for Vettel to leave Ferrari and hence trigger <laughs> a series of interesting driver changes. A canal historically a rule change has influenced the form factor of various teams, so I'll be looking out for that. Yes, yeah, so if you are a driver aiming to be on the grid and we know a lot of you listen to our podcast, remember to choose a team that might actually be there than just promise you of being there. And there's a difference <laughs> in the two. Remember to ask to see the Concord Agreement or whatever it is called back then, because I think that would be your best step forward as a driver, you know, given how almost no team is currently confirmed to race in 2021 or from 2021. I think the only thing confirmed for 2021 is us, guys. The Inside Line Formula One podcast will be around. (laughs) It'll probably be our 380th episode or something then. We're we're averaging about 40, 45 episodes every year. So that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ross Braun also said that Lewis Hamilton might change teams in 2021. Now, that is very interesting. What do you think? Yeah, we spoke about it the last episode. We'll speak about it again. But honestly, the best person who could guide Lewis Hamilton is Valentino Rossi, the MotoGP legend. The two uh, legends are actually going to meet in December when they swap their machines Lewis is going to take the bike and Rossi is going to take the Formula One car. And personally, I would love to see Lewis do the unthinkable. You know, probably do what one Manuel Fangio did, what Michael Schumacher tried to do, which is to go and win titles with Mercedes and with Ferrari. And while Lewis Hamilton's aiming to build all his records, his former teammates are possibly going to have some fun as well. So possibly. <laughs> yes, that's a key word. So there's uh, Alonso, there's Jensen Button, and maybe even Nico Rosberg. And it seems that they may race at Bathurst in December. You know, Nico Rosberg hasn't driven competitively since his title win in 2016. And I think the only time he's even driven a racing car publicly was when he did a demo of the Formula E Gen 2 car in Berlin a couple of seasons ago. Oh yeah, and gosh, uh, Formula E, speaking of which, the new season starts on the weekend after Brazil. Ah, Kunal, there's always just so much to talk about in such little time. Thankfully for us, you know, MotoGP ends and Formula E starts, so it's like one series handing over to the other and that's not entirely a problem. But our listeners should know this. Porsche's Neil Jani was actually on our podcast a few days ago. We did the whole show together. It was a fun and friendly and a very informative chat. But guess what? The damn audio recording failed. And I was so pissed off. I'm still (laughs) pissed off at myself. Guys, Kunal has been killing himself for this failure. I think it's the first time in 300 episodes that we had something like this happen. So guys, please tell Kunal it's okay. Even an F1 car has like mechanical breakdowns. So what is our podcast, right? Yes. Okay. So in our next episode, I will read out some of Neil's comments and quotes because... He's given some very good insights on how Porsche is approaching Formula E and about Formula E itself. Great. So now let's talk about the budget cap. Um, You know, Kunal, has $175 million ever looked so minuscule to you before? (laughs) Well, I don't mind that kind of money on our podcast, honestly. Yeah, and it almost seems like no one is excited about the budget cap, except for maybe, what, Sean Todd? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the $175 million dollars per year is a good number for all marketing purposes for Formula One. But the truth is that a lot of teams will actually spend close to like $300 million for the season. Now, of course, it is their expense on the performance side of the business that, you know, falls under the budget cap. But the big expense not 
under the budget cap is that of power unit development. And we know how, you know, the power unit manufacturers spend millions just to get ahead of their rivals. And we've seen what Ferrari have done. Of course, they've turned their unit around, but we don't know how much they've sort of spent on that because Ferrari files their, uh, you know, expenses as one whole team. So you don't really know what the split is between the engine division and the chassis division. Yeah, and that's true. You know what? Let's just do some quick math about how, say, Mercedes could spend 300 million in the year. Uh, okay, so let's start. 175 million. We know that's the basic cost. I like how you're calling it the basic cost. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And then to that, we add driver salaries, like what, 65 or 70 million dollars. Lewis Hamilton, for one, doesn't come cheap. Yeah, he's roughly at like a 50 million dollar a year cap or not a cap, but you know, salary or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, so you add that up, 175 plus 60 million, that's like what, 235 million dollars already. And then you also add to that the costs of travel, marketing, power unit development. Kunal, $300 million is easy peasy to reach. Unfortunately, right? I mean, this, yeah. is, this is where I think what Zach Brown said about driver salaries being included in the budget cap makes sense as well. Uh, but you know what? It is a far-fetched thought. I know how, uh, you know, driver salaries work. And I also know that other sports series have player salaries in the cap as well. So you never know if Formula One goes down this road in the future. But at least at the moment, it's not going to be that the driver salaries fall under the cap. So, Zach Brown believes that five teams will spend to the cap and five teams, the other five teams, won't. I don't think he's named any of the teams, but I definitely know <laughs> that he wanted to indicate that, hey, you know, we're McLaren, we'll spend like to the cap. And it's sort of going to become a prestige issue for the teams going <laughs> forward. That's my feeling. And... Uh, Ferrari have actually confirmed what we all believe could be true about 2021. They said that the top teams will, will still be winning races. You know, but the key point here is that we want the midfield teams to at least have the chance to challenge the top teams. And at the moment, that's one big factor that's missing right now. Yeah, in so many races, we've literally seen the top six drivers uh, have like a free pit stop within, what, 20 laps. And that just makes it so easy for them to run these conventional strategies. And I think this is where I will read a quote from Neil Jani's interview, uh, you know, that I conducted a few days ago for the podcast. He said that... This is the one big difference between Formula E and every other series. You know, he said that a good car doesn't necessarily mean a good finishing position in Formula E. But anyway, more of this interview to sort of follow next week, uh, you know, on the on the show. Yeah, thanks for that, Kunal. And guys, we're going to share this interview uh, on our Facebook page as well. Uh, remember to check it out next week. It's really interesting from what Kunal tells me. Anyway, after all this, you know, go vegan talk... Kunal, uh, Formula One has announced their net zero carbon initiative. It's quite a mouthful, actually. NZC. Uh, yeah. That's what. <laughs> we'll create the acronym. NZC. And the target here is 2030. Can you believe that? Yeah. Look, guys, I'm no expert in environmentalism. It's just a mouthful of a term for me. I just know that, you know, we all need to live sustainable lives. And I personally feel it's brave of Formula One to at least acknowledge that they need to make a change starting now. And, uh, you know, the big number for the sport uh, in terms of carbon uh, footprint, as they call it, is the kind of travel that's involved. And that's going to be the toughest to change for Formula One. Because remember, Formula One doesn't and they cannot source 
locally. So what do I mean by that? I mean that they will make their cars in their factories and you know send large shipments around the world to go racing. And that is what is one of the biggest costs for the carbon footprint that Formula One has. Yeah, frankly, I just hope that Formula One's around in 2030. I mean, I think that will be so. I hope that will be so. But Kunal, I also think that it will be a stark difference from Formula One as we've known it all these many years. And you never know if there's a merger with Formula E that will happen at some point. I mean, it is too far into the future to predict you know, which way this is going to go. It, you could be right. I could be right. Some One of our listeners has an opinion and they could be right. Nobody's got a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but speaking of the future, uh, we know that we're expecting another race in the USA because Miami is back on track. Yes. So this is one of those rare times where a veto has actually helped Formula One. So the mayor of Miami used his veto to bring Formula One's business back into business for Miami or something to that effect. <laughs> Good for you, Mayor. Well done. Uh, the other venue is the famous Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, so there's this guy, Roger Penske. He's a team owner in the IndyCar series. And he's bought the legendary circuit and the series. You know, honestly, more races is always good wherever they may be held. But the American venues mean that, you know, in Formula One's core markets, which is Europe, the the broadcast broadcast times are really odd. They're later in the evening or sometimes closer to midnight and so on. But you know, on the Penske Indianapolis IndyCar move, let's just pause for a second to understand what this actually means. So hypothetically, in Formula One terms, it would mean that Ferrari could own Formula One as a series. So they would be like a shareholder like Liberty Media is. And they would hence be invested in the business of Formula One while still owning one of the racetracks, you know, like Penske owns Indianapolis, and while still running the business of the Ferrari Formula One team. So if that's a little complex, rewind 30 seconds and hear it again. But uh, for those wondering if this is actually fair, let's remember that Formula One had offered the current teams a chance to purchase shares in the business of the sport not too many seasons ago. So there's actually nothing new in this it's it's a good uh, it's a good practice to even try and do this yeah and this also means that in some strange indirect manner your competitors are actually paying you to compete against them <laughs> this means that all our competitor podcasts guys thank you so much for tuning in and giving us these extra listens <laughs> it's like the same thing that we would follow as well okay great speaking of payments Kunal, this reminds me williams hasn't been paid by one of their older sponsors and honestly, given how they're retiring cars time and again, I wonder if Kubica sponsors will pay them for 2019. And given the whole confusion around the Formula One television tire life graphic, I really wonder if AWS would be pleased each time they pay Formula One their sponsorship fee as well. <laughs> yeah, actually, because there have been so many memes surrounding the tire graphics. Remember, even Pirelli didn't know where the data was coming from. <laughs> Anyway, Kunal, this is the moment that you dread the most. It's time for our closing notes. Yes, Lucien's waiting with his moments in time section. There's actually just so much history around Brazil as well. And when I say as well, I mean I, the last circuit we I remember a lot of history with was, of course, Japan a few rounds ago. And I really hope that Interlagos stays on the circuit, even if Rio 
gets added to the calendar again because I really like Interlagos. It's it's a lovely circuit. I do too. Uh, so the news is that Toto Wolff is going to miss his first race since 2013. I think he's just busy looking for a Christmas gift for Ferrari because you know, he's <laughs> sort of run out of ideas, literally speaking, because uh, Mercedes has been been given special gifts by Ferrari since 2017. So it's probably just getting tougher each season to sort of return the gifting favor, you know. That's true. Like when you get gifted a world championship by a rival, what do you give them back? I don't know. I don't know. And they won't even take a Mercedes-Benz car from you. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see what he gets them. Maybe, anyway. maybe they'll just say, fine, you can have Lewis for a few years or something Ooh. to that effect. Give us Fettel. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Anyway, Lewis Hamilton's father has urged him to stay on in the sport for, what, five, six years more? And uh, Kunal, I am really, really fascinated to see how this whole Hamilton chapter evolves in Formula One. And in not too many seasons from now, we are literally going to hear the question, should Lewis Hamilton retire when he's at the top of his game or should he race till he wishes to do so and till he enjoys himself? We've seen different drivers do different things. Let's Uh, see what Lewis picks. Yeah, and Hamilton actually said that he could explore non-Formula 1 roles with Mercedes in the future. So he'll be around. You know, I really wonder if he's going to do that whole drive upside down the tunnel ad, you know, in in a Mercedes that Michael Schumacher did. Because that was a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. By the way, I found something really strange out about Hamilton. His caps are on 25% discount. Just, you know, days after he won his sixth title. Can you you believe it? Are you preparing for Christmas? (laughs) You're going to get a Lewis Hamilton cap, Kunal. Yeah, why not? You know, legendary sixth world title cap and all of that. But In honor of the budget cap. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I think this is a cue that we need to hand it over to Lucien. Our jokes are getting too terrible. <laughs> hand it over to Lucien for his Moments in Time section for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. The Brazilian Grand Prix dates back to 1972, although it was in 1973 that it was first included as a round of the World Championship. Now, five Brazilians have won the race. Emerson Fittipaldi, Carlos Pache, Nelson Piquet, Ayrton Senna, and Felipe Massa. With poor Rubens Barrichello always racing under the home track curse, Rubens had poles, led races repeatedly, but something always went wrong. 1991, Ayrton Senna had never won at home and would finally rectify that missing success. One thing or another had gone wrong in the past, whether the car had let him down or he did it to himself on occasion. But 1991 was to be a Hollywood-style emotional victory for Brazil's favorite son. How can 1989 not be mentioned? Mansell had joined Ferrari with the new John Barnard 640 equipped with semi-automatic paddle shift gearbox. While being possibly one of the most beautiful cars to ever grace Formula 1, reliability in pre-season testing had given cause for concern. Mansell, so convinced of the car's inability to last more than a few laps, actually booked his flight out of Brazil early. Strangely, the car was reliable. Mansell would take, retake, and retake the lead again and eventually win on debut for Ferrari. 2003, fresh from his first career win in Malaysia, Kimi Raikkonen was the hottest property on the grid, and a very wet grid it was too. There were lots of crashes and near misses, and even the mighty Michael Schumacher would crash out, as did a number of notable names. But just when Fisichella somehow took the lead in his Jordan Ford, the race was halted due to a mammoth crash by Weber in his Jaguar, followed by Fernando Alonso in the Renault. Kimi Raikkonen was awarded the win, but somehow timing systems and people power screwed this result up, and in court the result was overturned, granting Fizzy his first ever career win 
and the Jordan team it's fourth and last. 2001, with new signing Juan Pablo Montoya, a driver many expected to be the next big thing, it only took a brief moment after the safety car restart, due to hacking and stalling on the grid, for the world to get a look at the new boy from Colombia and marvel or despise him for what he did to pass Michael Schumacher and take the lead. Fresh from IndyCars, Montoya, familiar with restarts, read it better than anybody else and hustled past Shuey into the first turn of the Senna S and led a commanding race for the most part until a wayward Jos Verstappen would allow Montoya to lap him only to rear-end him once the move was made, instantly ending Juan's race. 2016 was a corker in torrential rain, seeing Hamilton win for the first time in his hero's home race. Verstappen ended up being the star of the race, having a late stop for tyres, and then from way back in the field, he would pass car after car like a veteran, and he finished third. Kimi Raikkonen would win and take his one and only title in 2007, but who can forget poor little Felipe Massa winning for the final time in 2008, and, for a few seconds, thinking he was world champion. His team was celebrating and then went berserk once it was clear that Lewis Hamilton had just scraped into the title win by his fifth place. Jensen Button the following year would do the same with a fifth place and ironically driving with the number 22, just as Lewis had done to win his first title. Now Jensen would also get his and to date McLaren's last win in Formula 1 in 2012. Well, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line. Catch you later. Thank you so much, Lucien. And I actually remember Nico Hulkenberg's pole here and how he managed to get tangled up with Hamilton during the race. You know, Nico's always done well here in Brazil and I really hope he does well this weekend as well because uh, I don't know if he's going to have too many races. And this, this actually reminds me, there's a fan plea that uh, we should all vote for Nico Hulkenberg as the driver of the day in Abu Dhabi as a send-off gift to the famous Hulk. And I think that's a good gesture. That's a good idea. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, no podium. We couldn't give you a podium. So we give you the driver of the day award. Or at least we're going to try and vote for you to do that. Yep. Uh, along with Japan, so Brazil is the other circuit where a lot of world championships have been decided. Uh, you know, remember 2008 when we had that, oh, that's Glock moment. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also where Kimi Raikkonen won his title in 2007. Pretty of, special. Of course. Not unsubs- unsubs- not unsurprising <laughs> of you to remember that and say that. But I still remember Felipe Massa's farewell uh, from 2016. And, you know, he was pretty tearful and he sort of had crashed his car, I think. And he was walking back the pits and all of that, only to see him back in the sport for one more year in 2017. And it's, things are always funny when it's Felipe. He's almost just world champion. <laughs> He's almost just retired. And, you know, <laughs> both at his home circuit in Interlagos. By the way, speaking of Massa, he said that Leclerc will win a world championship before Max Verstappen. And you know what? I agree with that. I think that's going to happen. But I'm also going to say one more thing. You know, we've actually got a few comments from people who wanted us to get driver pronunciation like perfect. Like it's not Charles Leclerc, but Charles Leclerc. Okay. But I don't understand what is the bias against Valtteri Bottas. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we no seriously, we call him Valtteri Bottas, you know, but we give the English pronunciation. But when you hear Valtteri say it, he says, I'm Valtteri Bottas. So, <laughs> I mean, if you're treating all drivers equally, especially when they're not from the same team, let's call him Valtteri Bottas. Okay, let's forward, do right? that, Kunal. You signed up for it. <laughs> right. And finally, as we look forward to Brazil in the build up to the race, there was a roadshow to commemorate Ayrton Senna. 
And in that roadshow, Renault's junior driver, and I don't remember his name, but that's that's fine. I remember what he did, though. Okay, he crashed the Renault Formula One demo car. Now, it was a bit embarrassing, but I guess, you know, Renault's probably had it worse this year. Yeah, you know, like that truck crashed while traveling from one race to the other. And I mean, <laughs> it's Renault after all. All I can say is, thank God no one's been injured. Right. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we hope you enjoy the Brazilian Grand Prix. We hope you enjoyed our 301st episode. And we will be back next week. Adios. Adios. Clearance season at Target. Save up to 70% off thousands of amazing finds like sweaters, sleepwear, outerwear, and shoes for the entire family. So shop the best clearance deals at Target, where low prices and great deals make it easy to save.